All right, turn in your Bibles then, if you will, to the Gospel of John, John chapter number 9. And we'll be looking at this encounter with Jesus and the blind man. And I've entitled the message this morning, Now I See. Now I See. And I hope that that's your testimony this morning. And I just like the way that he says it there in verse number 25 of our text, John chapter number 9. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. And we're, we'll read through this whole encounter that Jesus has here. But his, his words there ought to be the testimony of all of our hearts. That whereas I was blind, now I see. So John chapter number 9, verse number 1, and we will read the entire chapter to get the, the entire context of what's happening. And it's a lengthy passage, a lengthy portion of Scripture once again. Normally I would like to do fewer verses, but it is one encounter and it's really hard to, to break it up without missing something. So we're going to take the whole chapter on this morning. Verse number one says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the work of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is, this, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam, and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Then say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind, and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, whom, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. 
These words spake the parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard then, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and he it is that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment am I come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. So certainly a lengthy passage, but it's interesting, the interactions that happen in this passage. And we're going to look at three different categories of people here in this passage this morning. But in thinking about blindness, I was doing some research this morning, and I believe it was 40% of blindness in this world, I believe that's the correct number, is actually blindness that is curable. It's blindness that's caused by cataracts when the lens on the eye becomes clouded. And I believe probably some of you have had cataract surgery where they actually go in and they make an incision and they, they suck that lens out with a vacuum and then they put in a, a fake lens or a, a manufactured lens that's no longer clouded and they give back the ability to see. But I was interested this morning to discover that there's actually people who are born with cataracts. They're born without the ability to see clearly, or if they're bad enough, really to see at all. They can just kind of see light, but they can't see beyond that. But of course now, uh, man has, by God's grace, discovered the way to go in and to solve this problem, to fix it, and to grant sight. But certainly in Jesus' day and age, blindness would have been uh, a terrible sentence. For this man especially, he was born blind. And so the first thing that we'll see, though, this morning, though, as we think about now I see and Jesus' encounter with this blind man, the first thing that we notice in the text is the blinded disciples. The blinded disciples. 
We find in verse number one, Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. You'll notice, though, in verse number two, and the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I don't know if they had stopped and asked him if he was born blind. I don't know if, um, well, he'd probably been sitting there begging for a while. So maybe just folks in Jerusalem knew, hey, this guy was born blind. But you'll notice the disciples, they, they're quick to jump on this guy. They don't see him for who he is. They don't see his need at all. They jump right to Jesus, who sinned? Was it this guy or was it his parents? Who done it here? What, what did he do? I don't know if they were trying to get some juicy gossip or you know, they were trying to figure out something that they could spread around town about this guy. But here they are, they're debating about what happened to this man. I mean, he must have done something terrible or his parents must have been doing something terrible for him to have been born blind. And you notice later on in the passage, actually, that the Pharisees, they say to him that he was altogether born in sins, and they kick him out. And so this seems to have been a, a very uh, common viewpoint among them culturally, that it must have been because of sin that this man was born blind. Sadly, the disciples in this situation are blinded by their own prejudices and judgments of the situation. If you think back several, well, I guess it's been several months ago now, several chapters ago, uh, as Jesus had his encounter with the woman at the well. And you remember Jesus there, he looks past her physical circumstances and begins to speak to the need of her heart. The disciples, they come back from the city of Sychar where they'd gone to get some food, and they're blown away that Jesus is talking to this woman. They, they can't understand it because she's a Samaritan, and she's obviously a woman of ill repute. And so why, what is Jesus doing? But no man durst ask him any question. They, they didn't want to ask Jesus anything. And so they were blinded by their prejudices then, and here we are once again that the the physical things that they see, they're blinded to this man's true situation. They don't look at him with eyes of compassion. They don't look at him with eyes of how can I help. Rather, they're blinded by prejudice. How often are you and I guilty of this today? You know, oftentimes we can view people, we can view their outward appearance, we can begin to make judgments about oh, well, that person is far from God, or that person would not be interested in hearing about the gospel. That person is too far gone for any kind of help. And certainly, uh, we don't have the insight. We don't have the ability to see man's heart. And so oftentimes, we do have to, at some level, make judgments from the outside. But these guys were, they were totally focused not on his physical plight, and the sorrow, the sadness of his circumstances, rather they were focused on what happened. Who did what? We want to know. But you know, it's a blessing because though we see the blinded disciples, in the midst of their blindness, we see that Jesus is not. You'll notice there in verse number one, and as Jesus passed by, you think about this man. He was blind from birth. How many people have passed by him before? 
How many people had even maybe stopped and given him some money, had thrown some change in a cup and said, you know, hey, I'll help you out this way. But yet, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Jesus looked with a different kind of look than the disciples did. The disciples looked with an inquisitive, with a judgmental look, trying to figure out, you know, who did what we want to know. But Jesus' sight is different than that of the disciples. Jesus looks at this man and recognizes that he has been blind from birth. And then Jesus goes on not to leave him in his condition, but to help him. And we'll see at the end of the chapter, not just to help him physically, but to meet his genuine need. Jesus stepped in and cured the blindness of this man. So we see the blinded disciples, but in the midst of their blindness, we see the seeing Savior. Second of all, we'll notice the blind man this morning. The blind man. We're told there that he is blind from birth. Can you imagine what that would be like? I believe all of us here this morning, we we have the, the benefit, the blessing of sight. I can't imagine what it would be to be blind. And then, on top of that, I can't imagine what it would be to be blind from birth. And certainly, you read accounts of people who are born blind, and you think of the challenges. I think of the challenges as a parent, trying to raise that child, trying to help them, especially as they start crawling and learning to walk, and all of the difficulties that would be involved in keeping that child from injuring themselves or hurting themselves in some way. Blind from birth. And we don't know how old he is. It's not revealed to us in the text. He's apparently a man of age. They refer to that, his parents refer to that later on. So he was old enough to be considered a man, old enough to be on his own, and yet he had spent his entire life in darkness. I remember being a a kid in school, and we took a field trip uh, down to some kind of science expo in Philadelphia, and they had a a display in there where they put you in this tube, the square tube that was carpeted, and they had you crawl in there, and they had lights on and everything, and then they, they turned all the lights off, and it was pitch black dark, and you were supposed to find your way out of that. Now, I don't know, for some people that's probably like the thing of nightmares, claustrophobia. It was pretty scary as a kid, but we made our way out. We had to feel our way through the tunnel, and it wasn't a very big tunnel. But it was very disconcerting, disorienting. And I'm, you know, someone who's been able to see from birth. I have that benefit. Certainly this man experienced much hardship in his life because he was blind from birth. But then we see his encounter with Jesus, and we see that Jesus heals him. In verse number 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went therefore his, he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Now it's an odd healing. Uh, he couldn't see what was going on, but I'm sure his senses of hearing and smell 
He could hear Jesus spit on the ground. He could smell the wet dirt as Jesus mixed this clay. He could certainly feel it as Jesus applied it to his eyes. Kind of an odd happening. And Jesus tells them then to go and wash in the pool. Now, I don't know how many things this man and his parents had tried through the years to give him sight. I'm sure that they had sought some physician's counsel. I'm sure that they had probably gone and, you know, Aunt Martha's uh, special remedy that was going to give sight. I'm sure that they'd probably paid that money and they had tried that crazy thing. And this poor guy had probably been through several things and at this point had concluded that he was never going to see. So I don't know everything that was running through his mind on this day. As Jesus comes and spits on the ground, puts mud on his eyes and tells him, go wash. I don't know how much faith he had in his heart. I don't know how much he dared hope. I can only try to put myself in his shoes and imagine what I would be thinking. I would not dare to hope too much. I'm sure that he had probably heard stories flying around town of those who had experienced healings at the hand of one Jesus of Nazareth. And here Jesus has stopped and begun to talk with him. We know that he had some faith, for we notice that he obeyed. He apparently put enough stock in what Jesus had to say that he was willing to make a fool of himself He was willing to go through all of the trouble as a blind man to navigate his way down to the pool of Siloam to obey the words of Jesus. Think of the humility that this man had in his heart. To subject himself to the words of a stranger with just a glimmer of hope on the horizon. He obeys. We see that he goes. He washes, the end of verse number 7, And he came seeing. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine being born blind, never seeing a sunrise, never seeing what the ground beneath your feet looked like? I mean, everything. What buildings looked like, what other people looked like, what trees looked like, birds. It would be absolutely overwhelming to go from having never seen anything in your life to all of a sudden you can see clearly. I can't imagine. I I feel like he must have had a headache or something. Overload. Sensory overload as you experience all of these things that you've never seen before. And he, he makes his way back seeing. Whereas he was blind before, now he can see. I'm sure he was probably pretty excited about it too. He was probably telling some people. He was probably looking for some people He probably heard some voices of people walking down the street. Oh, hey, I know that. I know that person. Oh, that's what they look like. Have you ever had that? You listen to somebody on the radio, and you form this mental image of what they look like, and then you see a picture of them, and it blows your mind because they don't look anything like what you thought they would? I'm sure he had that, right? He'd never seen these people's faces. Unless maybe they let him, like, feel feel their face so he could kind of build an image, but he had no context. I'm sure, I'm sure that as he comes back in verse number 8, we see his neighbors, their response. Now he's getting to see all of their faces for the first time. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? 
Their minds are blown. They don't understand how this has happened. We've seen him for years now, sitting out there begging. We know that he was blind. And then they begin to argue about it. Some of them say, well, this is he. Others said he is like him. He's like, no, guys, it's really me. I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. He doesn't have much else to add. He's just like, hey, this guy named Jesus came up. He made clay. He put it on my eyes. He told me to go wash. I did it. And now I can see. I don't understand it, but it's amazing. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. Jesus hadn't stuck around. He hadn't been able to thank Jesus. I don't know anything more than that. All I know is I can see. And so we see that this blind man, though he's physically blind, in the midst of his blindness, we find a healing Savior. We find Jesus who came and met him where he was. He didn't have ability to find Jesus. He didn't have ability to make himself see. But Jesus who had the ability, found him and gave to him sight. But then third of all, and this is the majority of the passage, we find the third group of people is the blind Pharisees. The blind Pharisees. So the Pharisees, they hear about this. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Uh Uh-oh. They've already had a bone to pick with Jesus about this. That Jesus would dare to heal someone on the Sabbath day. They're already ready to kill Jesus because of this. And Jesus has done it again. He healed someone on the Sabbath day. I mean, you know, a lot of work there to spit on the ground, and put clay on his eyes. But they had judged this as breaking the Sabbath day. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. So we see there's a portion of the Pharisees here. They immediately judge Jesus, broken the Sabbath day, not of God. But then there's there's another portion of Pharisees that apparently were thinking a little bit at least. They said, well, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So the Pharisees are now arguing amongst themselves. There's a group that says, nope. He broke the Sabbath day. And there's another group that says, well, guys, I mean, come on. How can somebody who's breaking the Sabbath day and who's not following after God, how can they do something like this? How can a man do such miracles? So there was apparently a group of Pharisees that were humble enough to consider the truth. A group of Pharisees that had their heads screwed on a little bit straighter than apparently the rest of them. 
But there's a division. So then we see their, their questioning. They begin to question him. They ask him, there in verse number 15, how he had received his sight. In verse number 17, they say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that hath opened thine eyes? So they ask him, they're like, Hey, what do you think about Jesus? Now, I'm not really sure where they were trying to go with this question. What did they expect him to say? Oh, I don't like him. He just gave me my sight back. No, he says he's a prophet. This guy didn't know much about Jesus. In fact, he knew pretty much nothing about Jesus. All he knew was that this guy had showed up and had done something that was miraculous. He had given him his sight. He says, well, he's a prophet. There's no other explanation in his mind than that he has to be of God. So the Pharisees, they're not, they're not satisfied. We find in verse number 18, they didn't believe that this guy had really been blind and now he could see. They're like, now, now they're trying to pull a fast one on us here. This guy, he's been faking it. So they're like, well, we'll put it to rest. Let's, let's call his parents in. Let's get mom and dad in here and let's, let's put it the, the test to them and ask them, is he telling the truth? So they, they rustle up mom and dad. They call him in. Verse number 19, they ask him, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? So they're really asking the parents. They're like, hey, you're saying that he is blind. How does he see then? Can't, it can't be a miracle. This guy, he can't be of God. His parents then answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. So we see they don't even want to answer the question. They don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. They're like, hey, why are you asking us? He's a big boy, ask him. Yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. He can see now, and we have no idea how or why. But we find that the inside secret of why their attitude is like this, in verse number 22, these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, said his parents, he is of age, ask him. So the, the Pharisees, the religious rulers, had gotten together, and they'd said, you know what? This guy Jesus is getting too popular. We don't like it. We don't agree with him. We don't think that he's the Messiah. And so anybody who confesses that he is the Messiah, we're going to kick him out of the synagogue. Now, to you and I, that doesn't sound like uh, that bad. That doesn't sound like, okay, you know, I can deal with that. But in their culture, that would have been... Um, very significant. They would have been kicked out of the social fabric. It, it would be like being ostracized in a small town. It would be like walking into the grocery store and the grocery store manager says, no, can't serve you. Your money's not good here. Get out of my store. It, it would have been a sentence that would have made their lives very difficult. They would have been an outcast in society. And their friends and family members would have viewed them as dead in some circumstances, and they would have been cut off from everything that they knew in their life. 
before. So their parents, his parents, they don't want to answer this question. So we see their questioning, but then we see their judgment. In verse number 24, then again, called they the man that was blind. You following all this? This poor guy. I mean, he gets his sight given back to him. He gets dragged in front of the Pharisees. They question him. He answers them plainly. They're like, okay, get out of here. They drag his parents in. They don't, they're not satisfied with his parents' answers, so they kick them out. They drag him back. Like, poor guy's just trying to enjoy his sight. You keep sending him away, bringing him back, sending him away, bringing him back. So they drag him in once again, and they want to question him again. Now they say, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Now once again, I mean, what are they really trying to accomplish here? I guess they're trying to salve their own consciences. They're trying to prop up their own pride. They're trying to get this guy to say, you know what? Yeah, it was all a joke. It was all a lie. We've been telling you lies this whole time. I, I really still can't see or I, I always had my sight. It's, yeah, this guy, it was just a big scheme. But no, what does he say? He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. He's like, guys, why are you asking me? I don't know anything else. I've already told you everything I know. I was blind. He came and gave me my sight. That's all I know. I know I was blind and I know that I can see. So they're, they're still not happy with him. Then said they to him again, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? You got to love this guy. He answered them, I have already told you. He's like, guys, we've been through this. It hasn't changed. I've already told you. And ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? So now he's kind of giving it back to them a little bit. He's getting a little sarcastic with them. He's like, guys, what are you doing? Do you want to be his disciples? I've already answered these silly questions. Come on. Why are you wasting my time? The Pharisees, they get a little angry and heated with him. Verse number 28. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. Now, you know, this sounds exactly like elementary, middle school banter here. Like, no, you're his disciple. We're Moses' disciple. Come on. People... We grow up and we polish things a little bit, but some ways it doesn't really change from middle school and elementary. So the Pharisees here, they're getting, they're getting heated and upset. They're mad because they don't believe in Jesus. And they haven't figured out a way to disprove what this man has to say. Every question they ask and every witness that they subpoena and drag before their kangaroo court tells them the truth and everything's lining up pointing to the fact that this man indeed was blind, and he can indeed see. And they're not happy with the conclusion. Verse number 29, We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Now wait a second. Wait a second. We're in John chapter number 9. We've walked through from John 1 till now. We've seen a lot of encounters that Jesus has had with this group of people. In fact, 
just last week in John chapter number 8, Jesus, we looked at when Jesus told them very plainly and very clearly where he was from, that he came from the Father. Jesus has been clear with them all along. Jesus has told them all along that he is from God the Father. They say here in verse number 29, we know not from whence he is. The problem wasn't that they didn't know what Jesus had to say. The problem was they didn't believe it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't believe that what Jesus had to say was true. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is. This guy, he just lays it out plain for him. He's like, guys, are you kidding me? You don't know where he's from? This is a marvelous thing. He goes on. Verse number 31, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. He's like, guys, this is not hard. All the way through history, we've never heard of a blind man who was born blind and got his sight given back to him. Obviously, he's from God. He's like, hey, I don't know what you guys are thinking here, but it's really pretty clear. We've never heard this happen before. This guy is obviously of God. The Pharisees go on. They're not happy with what he has to say. They're not happy with his clear speech to them. Verse number 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. The Pharisees drop the hammer on him. They win the argument and kick him out. They say, you were born in sins. That's why you were blind. Remember the attitude that the disciples had at the beginning? As they questioned, who sinned, this man or his parents? The Pharisees had the same attitude. They kick him out of the synagogue. They remove him. They don't want to hear what he has to say. So we see the blind Pharisees. We see this man who answers their questions, this man who's been healed by Jesus. But we find that in the midst of the blindness of the Pharisees, that there is a merciful Savior. Verse number 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a contrast. What a contrast between the Pharisees and this man. We see the merciful Savior highlighted for us here. Because Jesus, though everyone else walked by this man, and at best they cast in some coins to meet his immediate physical needs, Jesus stopped and met him in a way that no one else could. Jesus healed his physical problem 
But then Jesus doesn't leave it there. Jesus circles back around and gives this man not only physical sight, but he opens his spiritual eyes. You see the attitude of this man. He was one who had an attitude of humility. What a contrast between him and the Pharisees. His attitude is one of humility from the very beginning in the fact that he would go and do what Jesus told him to do without really knowing who Jesus was, without anything but a glimmer of hope that it would work. He's willing to humble himself to become a laughing stock to everyone who is around should it not work and to go with dirt on his eyes and wash in the pool of Siloam. And it worked. He was humble then. And as Jesus comes back to him and Jesus asks him about if he would believe on the Son of God, he's humble once again. He says, well, who is he, Lord, that I might believe? And when Jesus reveals himself to him, notice his response there. Jesus says, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. He fell on his knees, and he began to worship Jesus. Now, Jesus had talked with the Pharisees multiple times. Jesus had revealed to them who he was. Jesus had told them that he was from God. Jesus had told them that he was the Lamb of God. Jesus had revealed to them that he was the Messiah. And every single time they had come back at him with another argument, picked up stones to try to kill him. But yet this man, he falls on his knees and worships Jesus. And we see that his spiritual eyes are opened. He goes from physical blindness to physical sight and from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. And last of all, sadly, we see the Pharisees' pride. In verse number 39, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. So the Pharisees put this question to Jesus. They say, Jesus, are we blind too? Jesus answers them, basically saying, Guys, if you were blind, then it wouldn't be a problem. If you were blind, you'd have the response that this man had. You would be able to see, but you say that ye see, therefore your sin remaineth. What Jesus is basically saying is, you guys, you think you know everything. I'm coming to you as the Messiah. You should know that I am He. I'm giving you proof after proof after proof, and you will not see that I am who I claim to be. Because of that, there's the problem. Their pride. Jesus came with more than enough proofs for everyone in that society to see who he was. They were all given the opportunity to put their faith and trust in him. As Jesus heals this blind man, we... We kind of skipped over the verses in the beginning of chapter number 9. Jesus answered the disciples in verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Why was this man born blind? Well, ultimately, he was born blind so that Jesus could glorify God the Father. So that Jesus could heal him, and it would be a manifestation of God's power. And certainly, this man was thankful for Jesus' work in his life. Jesus was being merciful not only to him, but also to the Pharisees. Jesus was being merciful to the crowds that were around that day, but yet so many of them were lifted up in their own pride, their own self-righteousness, and they were blind. They were blinded to their true need. So we've seen the blinded disciples. This morning, who are you like? In this passage, are you like the blinded disciples? That sometimes you look at others with the eyes of the flesh. Sometimes you get distracted by maybe the outward appearance and you miss their great true need. You miss the opportunity to be involved in God's work in their life because you're too hung up on trying to answer some silly question that doesn't matter about them or too caught up with Oh, well, they wouldn't listen to me, or they wouldn't be interested, or fill in the blank. Are you blind like the disciples? This morning, are you like the blind man? The blind man who, yes, he was blind physically. That was not his greatest need, though. His greatest need was that of spiritual sight. His greatest need was, on this day, to meet the Messiah. God in the flesh. And he was changed. He was changed not just physically, but more importantly, he was changed spiritually from this day forward. He became a follower of God. This morning, have your eyes, your spiritual eyes, ever been opened to your greatest need? Have they been opened to your soul's great need? The Pharisees' judgment of him, thou wast altogether born in sins. In a way, they're right. You know, all of us are born in our sins. All of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. And you know, the metaphor here, this blind man, he had absolutely no ability to make himself see. There was nothing he could do physically to give sight to his eyes. Only Jesus could give him sight. The same is true for you and I this morning spiritually. There is nothing that we can do to bring the spiritual sight that you and I need. We can't be good enough to earn our way into heaven. We cannot uh, try to do enough works. We cannot try to earn our way into heaven. We can't gather up enough money to somehow, somehow buy favor with God. There's nothing that you and I can do to get to heaven but to come by the way of the cross, to come by the way of Jesus Christ. So this morning... Are you like the blind man, blind to the things of God spiritually? Do you need your spiritual eyes to be open? Or third of all this morning, are you like the blind Pharisees? You know, the, the Pharisees, they were religious. They thought that they were right with God. They thought that they had all of their ducks in a row. They had everything lined up. They thought that they were the premier people of God. And yet Jesus came on the scene and they missed him time and time and time again. 
So it is in our day and age that many people are religious, but they are like the Pharisees in their blindness. Jesus comes, he offers even this morning, the truth of the gospel. Oh, don't be as the blind Pharisees this morning and refuse it. As the pianist comes, we'll prepare for a time of invitation this morning. And I ask you to consider, do you fall into one of these three categories? There is a fourth category this morning. The category of this blind man who received sight both physical and spiritual, and he went on to follow Jesus. And this morning, may you and I be like him. May we receive the sight that Jesus has given us. May we be oh so thankful for it. May we be humble before God. And may we follow him as we are.